Canes Country podcast back and there are things to talk about. There are things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, my name is Brett Finger. Of course, Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel are here. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. Good. Um, man, there is just, there's so, there's so many big things that have happened. Uh, let's start. With all the contracts that the Hurricanes have been signing with players, new and old, let's just run through the list. So, Clark Bishop got re-signed to a two-way deal, as did Spencer Smallman, Stephen Lorenz. I believe David Gus was on an AHL deal last year, but now he's on a two-way NHL deal. Gustav Forsling, Max McCormick, then new people like Jeremy Bracco, Sheldon Rampal, Drew Shore uh, hasn't played in the NHL or in North America in years, um, but he is back, and he is going to be an AHL center for the Hurricanes. Uh, Antoine Bebo, goaltender. Cool. Yeah. And uh, Vasily Ponomarev, who was the second-round pick of the Hurricanes in the draft, signed an ELC. Uh, we're leaving out one big signing that we'll get to because it's a kind of a different category, but... Thoughts on all of the moves that the Hurricanes have made at the depth level? Well, I think some of them, like some of these re-signings, are just kind of, you know, guys they liked that have been in the organization that are, um, you know, helping you fill out that AHL roster. You've got a couple of them, like Clark Bishop and Gustav Forsling. Um, Forsling hasn't played for the Hurricanes, but he has played um, in the... Oh, we left out uh, Joachim Ryan. Oh, did we? I thought we talked about him last time we recorded. Maybe we did. Oh, did we? Yeah, I, no, I think you're right. You're right. You're right. We did. We it's did. all running together. I, it I, is. I, they've, I they've made so many of these like AHL tweener depth signings since the since the off season started. But yeah. um, anyway, I mean, those like Forsling and Bishop are both guys that um, you know you you can call them up and give you some minutes at the NHL level if you need. Um, or they can play really well for you down there. And then some of these other guys I like. Um, Jeremy Bracco is a guy. Um, Sarah did a really good article for us breaking down some of these signings. Um, if you haven't checked that out yet, I highly recommend it. But he's a guy who's played well, really well at the AHL level for that Toronto organization. Um, seems like he's the guy that Leafs fans would always be like tossing in as a throw-in on their terrible trade proposals. So I think I guess they're going to have to find a... Um, replacement for him there but no i mean if you remember back to when we talked about kind of the chicago wolves franchise and what they're about which is bringing in you know some ahl veterans so that they can win and then also that helps your young prospects at the ahl level to learn from those guys and learn and grow together by winning so i think you see that philosophy behind a lot of these signings and i i think you know they're good pickups for um, organizational depth, which is something that you always need. Ryan. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the signings. There's a few like Clark Bishop's a guy who's been a call up for, you know, a few years now, been a routine call up. Brendan Moore likes him, likes the way he plays. They managed to get a deal done of him before he went to arbitration. Same with Gustav Forsling got a little bit more money at the AHL level. Cause I can't really see a way of him breaking into the hurricanes defensive lineup even has like a call up one or two, but he got the, you know, the money that he was looking for a little extra cash in the AHL. Uh, I like Max McCormick. I like bring him back. I really like Steven Lorenz. I really think 
especially they brought him into the bubble this year. So I think the Canes really like him. They have a plan with him. They want to keep him around. Smallman had a bunch of injury issues, I think, this year. So they For still like him to keep yeah. him around. Yeah. Uh, signing Panarev to his entry-level deal was an interesting one for me. I guess they just really want to make sure he doesn't head the KHL way. And I really like adding, you know, Brocco and Rempel. Uh, Bebo is the goaltender help that all the Canes fans were clamoring about. Of course. New starter, yeah. <laughs> but all in all, I, I mean, I like the depth in the NHL last season with the Avalanche. I mean, he was hey, one to know. Got to like good goaltenders with good record. Mm-hmm. Efficiency. Mm-hmm. Winning percentage. Yeah, but yeah, I think the Canes are doing well with all these depth signings. You know, the AHL roster was kind of was getting a little flimsy near the end of last year, especially with um, Geeky being called up and whatnot. And like they were, and especially trading away, you know, Kokanen and whatnot. They and um, Pris Luce, too. Yeah. So these really helped to re- re-bolster that kind of depth. While they're still waiting for a few guys to. You know, make the transition from whether the European leagues or the like Suzuki in the OHL. While well, they're still waiting for them to make it across to playing more North American hockey with um, the AHL level, it makes sense to get these like one-year deals going. You know, get some help to the other guys and just kind of still have a competitive roster for your prospects that are at this level already to be able to compete. When it came out too that the AHL is targeting a what February first start date, right? February fourth, I think. February, early yeah. February. It'll be interesting to see if um, if the NHL starts early January, like they're talking about, and that's the case. If they have like an alternate site taxi squad type thing going on with um, with you know guys that aren't necessarily going to be on your roster before the AHL season starts. Yeah, I'd imagine that'd be the case, like what they did in the MLB. Yeah. Um, so- well, because like with the Hurricanes, you could do it pretty easily now that you have that new practice facility. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then those are all the American League deals, essentially. And now we have, we kind of were in limbo with Flurry and Fogel, and those are the last two RFAs or NHL RFAs to, to need a contract, and Hayden Flurry has one now. So he, he signed a two-year deal, $1.3 million AAV. Uh, Fogel is the final remaining uh, NHL RFA for the Hurricanes. His arbitration date is November 4th. Roland McEwen and Oliver Kasky are both RFAs as well, but those are minor league guys, and Kasky is currently off in the KHL playing. He joined the team last year. Uh, he joined Charlotte last year, Then I mean. So uh, Flurry is signed to a two-year deal. I know that was kind of like, uh, okay, when's it going to get done? And it finally happened. Just like to say, I feel like I've manifested this. Yeah, we say Ryan, to, Ryan deserves some big credit on this one. This how we were talking the Canes Country Slack. I was just asking about who their agents were. I was wondering, like, maybe, like, what's happening with this whole process? And we were just getting to talking about the deals. And all of a sudden, the next thing we know, yeah. <laughs> Pierre Lebrun comes out saying that Fleury has signed a deal. And this is... It was literally simultaneous, like simultaneous to the discussion we were having. Um, Jamie Kellner, our photo editor, put the LeBron tweet in the Slack. It, it it was like literally as we were discussing it, it happened. It was kind of spooky. I just want to say this deal is a great, amazing value for the Hurricanes. The way Flair was playing at the end of the year and into the playoffs, tiers at one point three million. If he can, you know, 
keep playing that same level, this is an amazing deal for the team. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, you look at, um, you look at the Boston series. I mean, Fleury was arguably the Hurricanes' best player in that series. He scored two goals. He was a physical presence. He was playing well defensively. Um, I did a story about Fleury during that um, that series, and you know, and asking Rod Brindamore about him. You know, he said kind of that he's you know Fleury was a top ten pick, and that now you were kind of finally seeing that top ten pick level of play and ability. I think we've probably seen the ability before. But the issue was, like earlier last season, especially the Hurricanes just had so many defensemen. Um, he had trouble getting in the lineup. But if you look at it now, where your NHL guys under contract are Slavin, Hamilton, Pesci, Shea, Flurry, and Gardner, um, there's a pat the you know it's there. I mean, Flurry a he's earned it, and B I mean it's there with that group that he's going to be in the lineup on a nightly basis. And even if he's playing, you know, on the technically on the third pairing, just because of the Hurricanes' depth, if you're getting that kind of play from your third pairing, I mean, that yeah, that that value for the Hurricanes, especially I wouldn't have been surprised to see the one million or one point three million on a one year prove it deal. I'm surprised from Flurry's standpoint that he was willing to take that on it for an extra year. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess I, I'm. It, it's it's kind of like a a fair deal for me. Uh, he he was really performing well in the postseason, and he certainly deserves credit for that. Uh, it, it was certainly coming along in the second half of the year. I like Flurry a, a good bit. Um, but I don't know. At, at the same time, he spent much of a couple years being the odd man out. And when he was playing, he was playing five to ten minutes or whatever. So I think 1.3 over two years makes some sense. Um, it, it was good that they got him on the second year because, you know, you'd think that he continues to get better. And he's probably, if he plays a full season and he can build off of that, then he's probably more than a $1.3 million player. So you're talking about a good deal over two years. Um, this is kind of what I thought he would get. Uh, so that's, that makes sense. And now the only guy left is Warren Fogle and they have, I believe $3 million remaining in, in cap space. You'd think for Fogel probably takes up between 1.75 and two ish million of, of that over a couple of years. It sounds about right. I'll be interested because we're what, by the time this podcast drops, we're going to be what four or five days from his arbitration hearing. Yeah. It, it wouldn't stun at this point. It wouldn't stun me if Fogel actually got to arbitration. Yeah. I mean, I would think that he, he and the team would both like to avoid that. Um, it's just kind of tough because we've talked about it. Like, you know, Fogel took a step forward last year. He had 30 points. I mean, the way he's played, like, and it's been in a smaller sample size over his career. So, like, it, it's tough to find. I think Fogel is tougher to find the right value for than Fleury right now, especially given the cap situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like anything more than two million dollars a year is is kind of pushing it for for him, especially where he slots in. Because we're, 
it realistically he's a third third or fourth line player uh, especially with the, the the team you know adding guys like Natchez to the mix last year and Trocheck and they still have Niederreiter so you, you maybe he he gets some second line time but I think he's mostly a third line player uh, you know you look at comparable players or comparable contracts and Brock McGinn or Jordan Martinuk those guys are in it about two million a year so I would think that he slots in somewhere like that see but that's it could get if you're using them it could get somewhat tricky because I mean if you look at those three players just from a pure on ice standpoint who are you saying is the most valuable to the Hurricanes it's got to be Fogel right yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just did like a deep dive of the penalty kill. Brock McGinn is the Canes. He spends That's the true. most time in the penalty kill. He's the forward with the most penalty kill to ice time. Yeah, it's very guys, valuable in that regard. It, yeah, you, you guys know, have when, not read Ryan's when, penalty kill deep dive yet. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. When and when McGinn got his contract, I mean, he was what a year removed from a sixteen goal year, right? So I mean, yeah, uh, I. That's true. His offense hasn't really done much. I don't think many of us expected his offense to continue to grow. Um, I think Fogel is more likely to grow offensively than McGinn, though. Um, I think yeah. I think he's capable of scoring twenty goals in this league. Uh, maybe not every year, but I think you know he can have a good year and be a twenty goal scorer. I think he can be an, more of an impact offensively, but obviously he hasn't necessarily shown that the, there's still the inconsistency in his game that is troubling uh, but he is still young so we'll see I think goes. it also has to be kind of like taken into account he plays a lot of most of his like five and five ice time with stall and like not to anything knock stall but his offensive production has also dried up tremendously from you know past few yeah. years so I guess Fogel playing I'm curious if Fogel had a more dynamic center how if his I mean, numbers could him, do we've but... seen him with aho a good bit too uh, that's occasion. fair and, but i mean like consistent yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's definitely it hasn't been for an extended period of time um and at this point i i wouldn't think that it would happen given how carolina is trying to win and they have all that top end talent but as long as warren fogel's a hurricane and robert namor's the coach he's still going to see stints of time on on a top line i think because um i think his game does or is able to mesh pretty well with uh with high skill guys so um yeah we'll see we'll see how it all works out here in the next few days and we're gonna get a decision by the end of next week on that so we move on to the world juniors so the Hurricanes announced today three pro- prospects have been invited to Team Canada's selection camp. Uh, 2020 first-rounder Seth Jarvis, 13th overall pick for Carolina. Jamison Reese, second-round pick from 2019. Ryan Suzuki, first-round pick from 2019. All invited to Team Canada's selection camp. That's exciting. I mean, they haven't made the team. They're just there for the selection camp, but all three of them have... Uh, a, a shot at making the team in particular roles on that team. In Jamison Reese's case, you'd think it's more of a maybe a two-way kind of shutdown role, but we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I like that. I think, uh, you know, getting a chance, if, you know, if any of them make the team to play in a high-level tournament like that, it's good for their development. It's good for, you know, learning different things and playing with other, you know, high-end prospects. And I think we've seen plenty in the past of um, guys going to that World Junior Championship and playing well and that being a harbinger of success in the NHL. I think, um, was it Sebastian Ajo on the Finland team that won – yeah, with line, gold, a and with line A and pull yard. The best line yeah. in that yeah. tournament, yeah. That was the first time we really saw um before the Hurricanes made the move on it. Um that was when we first really saw, I think, Aho playing center. Yeah. And they were they were amazing in that tournament. It'll be interesting to see if the Canes guys can get that ice time because I saw I think it was Kirby Doc is gonna be participating in the World Junior Championship though. Blackhawks loaned him out to Team Canada. Mm. So you got like still high end players. I think Dylan Cousins is also on that team. Quinn yeah. Byfield. There's a lot of really high end center names. So we, I don't know as much of the Kane centers will be able to crack that, but it'll be really interesting to see if they could. Well, it'll be interesting then too to see if like, like a guy like Jarvis, from what I've, certain stuff I've read, you know, he may be a, especially to start out, he may be a winger in the NHL anyway. Mm-hmm. So if he, if he plays, you know, wing on Team Canada, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And whoever his center would be, would be a pretty, a really good center. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's, that is exciting for them. Um, and, you know, we, we think about other, other guys outside of, uh, Canada. I think Dominic Bach is twenty now, is he not? So I think he he wouldn't be eligible. Can you guys think of anyone else outside of? I was just looking up. Jack Drury is twenty, Jack so Drury. he's not eligible. He's twenty, so he's not. Yeah, because he would have been one I would have thought about for Team USA, but he is not eligible. Um, you said you think Bach is twenty. He's twenty. Yeah. Uh, okay. I believe last year's World Juniors was his last. And he was, if we're remembering back, he was very, very good for Germany. He he, had, oh. he was one of the best players in that tournament. I believe he had six goals in seven games for Germany. So, um, Patrick Puistola, if I'm saying yeah. that, he's he's 19. I would think he'd be one for Team Finland. Maybe, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Tixela is 19. Tuka Tixela, yeah. Uh, um, Kachikov for Russia. Yeah, I remember Pistola was was very good for. Oh, Kachikov's twenty one. Never mind. I remember Pistola was was very good for Finland last year. Um, so yeah, there's there are some names, and with that, I think that's pretty much all the hockey news that we have over the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're going to move on to some other things and starting with the world series winning Los Angeles Dodgers. They beat the Rays in six games. Everyone wanted it to go seven, but it did not go seven and the Dodgers won the whole damn thing. Um, yeah. And then some not so great things happened in the immediate aftermath of that. Some things that make you turn your head. Yeah, uh, I was already turning my head about, what was it, the fifth inning? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it was like it's funny. It's like I tweeted out after the game when the whole Justin Turner thing unfolded. It's like, remember when we thought that Kevin Cash made the worst decision tonight? <laughs> yeah. it was like everybody forgot about that. Because um, like, like I know the analytics, and I know the Rays have done that all year, and I know it's it had worked for them for the most part. But man, when you have a guy like Blake Snell, who is just out there dealing. And he's he gives up what what's just his second hit of the night in the sixth inning. Yes, you you just can't do that in an elimination game from my standpoint. My thing is like, yeah, they listen to the analytics, but the analytics also not tell them that the reliever had given up runs in seven straight like reliefs. You know, yeah, it's like that wasn't the option. It's like, what numbers are they looking at? Yeah, so. I mean, in an elimination game, you'd think that, you know, you'd keep your your best pitcher who won a Cy Young, not this year, but was it last year? Yeah. So I think it was last year, yeah. So you'd think that you, you gave it to him, and he did not look pleased when he was leaving the, the game, that's for sure. I would not have been either. Yeah. So... Baseball's over, and it's kind of quiet on the sports front right now. We really just have, in terms of team sports, I mean, you've got, um, yeah, I mean, you've got football, and you've got, like, soccer on during the day, but um, in terms of, um, yeah, I mean, like, team sports, you know, that you would normally watch, like, at night during the week, like, when you're done for the day. You've really just got like Monday and Thursday night football right now, um, which is so it's kind of it, it well it's it's kind of hitting now that the baseball's done that like this is a time of year when we normally would have like hockey and basketball um, rolling and we don't uh, college basketball is supposed to start in about four weeks. I'm very much hoping and very much excited that that um, everything works out with that. Yeah. Now there's very little to distract us from the election, which we're not going to dive into too much here on this podcast, but holy shit, that's uh, a week from now. All, all I'll say, and I want, a week from now. If, you, if you have the ability, if you are registered, For the love vote. Of God, vote. Vote. It's important. It's, it's, the mo- it's probably one of the most important things you'll ever do. That's all I'm going to say. Just vote. All right. I voted. I voted uh, I voted early, uh, like a week ago now, or two weeks I voted, ago. I don't know. The I voted time, yesterday. Time just kind of melts together. Um, my civic duty yesterday, I got a nice fancy pen. Yeah, I got, yeah. Where's that pen? Uh, did you not get a sticker, too? Did you get a sticker, Ryan? I think he went to look for his pen. Oh, my goodness. Because we can totally see it with, as we're doing this audio-only podcast. Is he really you, getting his wait. pen? No, could you guys worried. hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, I, I thought, I was just sitting here, I was, I was saying I did not get one. I, oh, no. They no, we actually could not you say that now. Oh, my bad. I was cut out there for, I guess, a bit. But yeah, so you didn't get a sticker? No sticker, they told me, just the pen. Wow, that's terrible. I mean, you know, I, I felt betrayed by my I country, mean, honestly. It's once every four years they can give you a sticker. Like, See, I didn't get. I voted by mail, so I didn't get either. But I dropped off my absentee ballot at the um, Wake County Board of Elections, so I really would have thought that they would have given me a sticker there. Yeah, you'd think. 
but no. But I got I got a sticker and the pen, so I got both. So I feel pretty good wow. about uh, everything. Right with the cake and eating it too. Yes. There you go. Now we'll see on the third and the weeks following what happens. That'll be great. That'll be a lot of fun to to watch. Anyway, speaking of things that will be fun to watch, The Mandalorian starts Friday today. If you're listening to the podcast today, it comes out. If you're listening to this podcast now, odds are Brett and I have both already seen the episode. Yes. That is the way. There's, <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, it will probably be around noon tomorrow that it that it drops. Um, there is a 100% chance I will have already watched the episode. And you could probably see my opinion and Andrew's opinion about it. And per- potentially even Ryan on Twitter uh, the second it comes out. So. I will I will keep my opinion um, spoiler free on Twitter, especially tomorrow. Like I, I can't not, make I that promise. That guy, but we'll see. I might. I, I'll, I'll. We'll see. Um, are we excited? This... Are we excited about this? Yes. <laughs> now, if I'm it, excited, if a certain um, if because unex- I'm not expecting it in the first episode. If a certain former apprentice to the chosen one shows up in the first episode, I may not be able to contain myself. No, certain someone who wields two lightsabers. Yes. Rumor has it she's only going to have one in this one, though. Interesting. Is will, that rumor? Will it be? Well, I well that would make sense. Will it be the lightsaber? That would make no, sense. No, it said they said the rumor is that she will have a blue a blue lightsaber. It would, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is interesting because the last time we saw her in the timeline before this in Rebels, she had two w- white lightsabers, signifying that she had kind of gone away from the whole Jedi order and ideals so if she's wielding a blue lightsaber now she might have changed her tune on some of that yeah that would be interesting um because she had the blue and i don't know that she dropped a certain blue lightsaber at one point in the timeline and it was recovered by someone at another point in the timeline oh my Um, god that's right so i wonder what where that one is what's going on with that one do we know? I wonder if we'd be able to tell, like, if the difference between animated and real, like, be able to tell if it's the same lightsaber. Yeah, because, you know, obviously, if you've seen Clone Wars, you... You the, know what we're talking the about. The ending is... Ooh, it's great. Oh, man. That's wild. Um, I heard that the Mandalorian Season 2 premiere, um, the runtime was actually pretty... Yeah, it's fifty-two minutes according to that's the league. That's a fifty. That's a lot longer than the ones than the typical episode of the first season. Yeah, um, excited for that. Yeah, it's 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 fifty-two minutes. That would be on because that's fifty-two minutes, no commercials or anything yeah. like that. That's just straight up fifty-two minutes of Mando. Yeah, so that is interesting. I don't think we ever had one exactly that long. We maybe we had one or two that were near 50 minutes but i think most of them were in the 30 to 40 minute range yeah i think you're right so that is interesting and if all of them are going to be like that boy wouldn't that be great i'm not expecting that but i would not complain so yeah so we we talked about this a little bit off air but mandalorian season two will air every friday uh and it'll be 3 a.m eastern when it'll drop so 12 a.m midnight pacific 
Did we confirm that? I thought they dropped it a little bit later than that last last time. Um, I'm, this is just what I'm reading. This is just you know from you know my my sources, you know. Sources my, calling uh, my, in. My my well placed sources here are telling me all about when uh, what time. It's actually something here. nobody's ever heard about before, except for you, right, Brett? Yes. Because uh, there is like. <laughs> There's a if it's actually dropping at 3 a.m. There is a non-zero chance that I will watch it at 3 a.m. I did that with a couple of the Clone Wars episodes back in the spring. Yeah. Um. So wait, are you saying you will watch it at 3 a.m. or not? I'm saying there's a non-zero chance that I will watch it at 3 a.m. I'm not yes. committing to watching it at 3 a.m. I'm not taking it off the table either. Yeah, I think I think it just depends on you know what all the situation is. Many fact, many variables here that um we can discuss more in depth next week or might just be two when, if in two weeks when we have two just dis- two episodes to discuss assuming some big news doesn't break with regards to the hurricanes uh we will be back in two weeks and we'll be talking about two episodes of the mandalorian that'll take up like 25 minutes which is about <laughs> how long this podcast is going to be Given so, the part of the off season that we're in, there's a very good chance that our next episode will feature more Mandalorian discussion than hockey discussion. There is a very good chance. If you were to put bets on that, if you were going to take that one to Vegas, uh, it's probably like minus one fifty that that the that there would be more Mando talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just thinking about uh, who's that Rangers prospect that was talking about Minichlorians on day two of the draft. Oh man, that was awesome. Yeah, William. I think it was William Cooley or something like that. And he said that um, Revenge of the Sith is his favorite Star Wars movie, which is which like Empire Strikes Back is mine. But if you love Revenge of the Sith, then you're a woke Star Wars fan because Revenge of the Sith is awesome. Yeah. Um, we so were... there's more crossover here than anyone thinks. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about this uh, via text. Uh, earlier in the week, but uh, no, it was on Sunday. Uh, there's an edit of Revenge of the Sith with uh, the final story arc of Clone Wars, and I watched it, and it's awesome. I still need to watch. I have that file that me and my my brother. How big is the file for you? Oh God, I, it's in my Google Drive. I think mine was me. like an 18 gigabyte file. It's crazy. It is a big file, but. It was like a four-hour cut. Yeah, it, it makes great. sense. It was very good. So, okay, that's it. That's a podcast for that's a podcast for this week, and we'll be back in two weeks to talk about hockey. Assuming something happens, I'm not exactly sure if anything will happen. We'll definitely have news about Warren Fogle. So there's that. We'll have Where at least that? one talking point, at least one, and then we'll have Mandalorian to geek out over. So. Even if there are absolutely zero hockey talking points, we will come back to talk about the Mandalorian every yeah, two weeks. Yeah, this will be a Mandalorian podcast, if nothing else. <laughs> so, uh, this has been the Canes Country Podcast. Thank you for, for listening. I hope you, you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you did, then power to you. That's that's <laughs> that's says a lot about you. Uh, Andrew, where can the people find you on Twitter and only Twitter? Um, at A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. Ryan? At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. I have spoken. You, he has spoken. R-I-P. Uh, one of God. the most painful now deaths I'm, in TV. Now recently. I'm sad. Yeah, now I'm sad too. But you can follow me at on Twitter at 
Brett underscore finger. You can follow Kane's Country at Kane's Country on Twitter. Follow along on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Kane's Country Picks, P-I-X. Uh, you can follow the Kane's Country Podcast. Subscribe to the Kane's Country Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find the Kane's Country Podcast wherever you listen to podcast rate review uh say great things about us to everyone you know um we will be back in two weeks to talk about maybe some more hockey stuff we'll see goodbye